Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter number 8. How many of you do your devotions? You do your devotions? Does anybody journal when they do their devotions? You know what that means? You kind of you read your Bible, you do a little journaling. Yeah? How many of you do that? You do that? Good. I do that. I do that often. I like to say every day, but not every day, but more days than not. And a lot of times what I do when I, when I journal, I just doodle. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I just kind of, you know, I, I don't write anymore because my handwriting is chicken scratch. And the older I get, the worse it is. But so I type everything. So I have my iPad with me. I just type it into notes, you know. <clears throat> and, and what I do is I just type up a thought. And, you know, if I'm reading something, I have my notes open, type up a thought. And then I go back to it, type another thought in, add in the scripture. Uh, a lot of times I'll read on and maybe be reading through a book. And all of a sudden, man, that pops. I'll go back and add that on that day. And many times, and I've been pastoring since 1988. Yeah, so John, I was your youth pastor prior to 1988. It was 1985 to 1988, because I left Bethel at that time. So you stand corrected. Amen. Yeah, you're getting old, John. Your memory's not what it used to be, man, you know, right? Anyway, so, but even when I was a youth pastor, I remember, that, or when I started pastoring, um, I used to struggle getting, uh, you know, messages. What do I preach? And I certainly didn't want to be random about it. And here's what I thought. I prayed about this and I thought, well, uh, you know, God is speaking to me each week through his word, right? Each day through his word, if I pay attention. And so if he's speaking to me about something, well, maybe, maybe it's something he wants me to share with the congregation. So years ago, I started to use my devotions as kind of ways in which to develop sermons, you know, so if I wasn't teaching through a book in the Bible, I would do it a lot of times on Sunday night and maybe a topical theme like we're doing uh, on Sunday morning now with hometown uh, focus. Uh, most of my Sunday morning messages, Donald, I promise you, most of them came from my devotions either that week or the week before, you know, and I would just get that thought. I pray over it and ask God to help me to develop it and it would become a message. And I've been doing that for years and years and years. Well, I'm going to share with you tonight a devotion. This is one of my devotions I had um, not long, long ago. And it's found right here in this text of scripture. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter number eight, look at verse one. Paul says this, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. And then he says this, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Stop there with me, if you would. That's, that's a powerful verse. If you were to go back, because a lot of times what I do is when I come to a chapter, I remind myself that when Paul was writing, or whoever was writing, when God was writing, there was no chapter division. And so what was written in chapter 7, where it ends, ends off, you know, may give me a little bit of insight as I begin the next chapter, right? And so when you go back to chapter number 7, chapter number 6, chapter number 5, in the book of 1 Corinthians, what you find is Paul consistently correcting this church in their faulty doctrine and in their faulty behavior, right? Did you ever read 1 Corinthians? I don't forget this, John. Years and years ago when I first started pastoring, I was driving down the road one day and all of a sudden seen a church van driving down the other side of the road. And the name of the church was First Corinthians Baptist Church. And I thought to myself, did that person ever read First Corinthians? I don't know if I want to, maybe Second Corinthians Baptist Church, First Corinthians Baptist Church. That church had a lot of problems. And here when you turn to First Corinthians chapter number eight, verse number one, again, it seems as if he's correcting a problem. Right? Because what he, me, at least for me, what he's implying is this, you know, if all you have is knowledge, that knowledge isn't going to help you. It's going to make you prideful. Knowledge puffeth up. Isn't that right? That's what he's saying here in this text. Uh, we all have knowledge. 
right? We all have some knowledge. I'm talking about us as Christians. For example, um, the knowledge of salvation is paramount, isn't it? Huh? I mean, if there's nothing else you ever learn in life, if you've learned, you know, how to be saved and what salvation is all about, you've learned more than most. And what you've learned is more valuable, you know, uh, than most information that's being peddled in our society today. So the knowledge of salvation is paramount. And I think this, I think once you're saved, you, you begin just, you just appreciate that more and more. Isn't that right? I remember saying this one time uh, when it first started to occur, occur to me, the longer I'm saved, I just really understand and appreciate salvation, you know, more than when I got saved. When I first got saved, I put my faith and trust in a message, you know, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of Calvary. But man, the longer I'm saved now, it just becomes, you know, that song says it just gets sweeter, you know, and it does because our understanding of it you know, becomes, I think, a little bit clearer and, and maybe, maybe deeper. And so we attained a certain knowledge as believers. The knowledge of salvation is paramount. And then I wrote this. This is just my devotions. Knowing God's will is then equally important, right? So you come to, you come to understand salvation, right? And, and now you're a member of God's family. Now understanding and coming to attain the knowledge of God's will for your life, I think is equally important. Once you're saved, now, now God, it's kind of like what Paul did, right? Remember Paul on the road to Damascus? You know, he's blinded by that bright light. Paul begins to speak to the light and he says, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? And that light said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, right? Who art thou? What was the next thing he had or said? Anybody know? Huh? What will you have me to do? Did you get that? Who are you? Once he finds out who he is, then he says this, what will you have me to do? That's probably the only proper response once you find out who he is, right? You know, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. What will you have me to do, right? So you get saved, and I think this, attaining the knowledge of God's will for your life is now paramount, you know? So salvation, and then, Lord, what will you have me to do? So that's great knowledge, correct? And so Paul says in this text here, and I like this, he says this, uh, we, we know that we all have knowledge. And as you go to church and as you, you know, begin to grow as a Christian, there's other knowledge that you begin to attain. Isn't that right? For example, let me mention just a couple of things. Uh, we, learn, we learn the doctrines of our faith. Correct? Isn't that important? You know? And there are many of them, aren't there? Right. Uh, I think it begins, you know, what we try to get uh, new converts to learn is is a doctrine called bibliology. You know, what that is it's a study of what bibliology study of the Bible. Right. It's study of the Bible. And I think this I think you and I, we ought to we ought to know something about our Bible. We ought to know our Bible. Right. And the only way you can know your Bible is by reading it. Then I think this, I think it's equally important to know some things about your Bible. For example, let's, let's just, it's a Sunday night, right? Yes, sir. Let's talk. We got nowhere to go, do we? It's only, man, it's only 520 in the afternoon. I, I'm trusting you came to get in and not get out. Thank you. All right, so this is a deep one. Don't get nervous. Just a couple of questions. I'm not trying to stump you. How many books are in the Bible? 66. <laughs> How many? 66. Good. How many Old Testament? How many New Testament? Uh, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. 39 and 27. There's a scholar. <laughs> she, takes, she takes my Old Testament class, right, Craig? 
That's where you learn all this good stuff in Bible Institute. Yeah. Um, what, is the, what is the largest book in the Bible, chapter-wise? Book of Psalms. Book of Psalms. How many Psalms, how many chapters will we say are in the book of Psalms? Who? 150. What's the longest Psalm? How many verses in Psalm 119? A lot. That's cheating. 176. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what is the central theme of the Bible? No matter where you look in the Bible, central theme of the Bible. Anybody know? Jesus. Redemption. Jesus. Central theme of the Bible. Jesus. Redemption. Right? Uh, what book in the Bible do they call the mini Bible? Isaiah. How many chapters does Isaiah have? How many books in the Bible? 66. Yeah. You got it, sister. Man, you're sharp. Man, that's good. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Old Testament written in what language? Hebrew. New Testament written in? Greek. And bits and pieces in Italian? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Malachi. Malachi. It's that Italian prophet, Malachi. He came from South Philly. Do you know that? Did you know that, Rich? Yeah. Right? So that's just some basic, that's just some basic stuff that, you know, we acquire and it sticks with you, doesn't it? Right? Uh, like, you know, a, a good warm meal on a cold winter day, you know, it just sticks with you. And, and I'm glad I learned those things early on, right? Did you have cheaters when you got saved with your Bible? You know what cheaters are? They're little bookmarkers to tell you where the books are. How many of us had cheaters? There you go. Good. Trying to find that where they are, right? Where's that Old Testament prophet Joel or Obadiah? Right? Remember trying to learn those names? Huh? Uh, so, book of Hezekiah, Old Testament, New Testament. Hezekiah, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, Hezekiah, book of Hezekiah is in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> trying to stump you, Rich. Oh, Hezekiah is not a book. He was a person. Obadiah, and no, I said Hezekiah. Yeah. Obadiah is the Old Testament. Right, exactly. No. What was Obadiah's wife's name? I don't know neither. I just thought maybe you would know. <laughs> I have no idea. Ruth? No, that was Boaz. You need to come back on Wednesday night, man. Where are you been? <laughs> All right, so uh, let me ask you this. How, how did God get us the Bible? Inspiration, right? Inspired by the Holy Ghost. Men that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right, exactly, right? So God, God's Word is inspired. you have a Bible verse for that? Who said what? Somebody's talking. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by? Inspiration to God. And is profitable. Amen. Yeah. There you go. I like that. Praise the Lord. And so when we get saved, certain knowledge that we ought to attain, of course, is bibliology. Some of the doctrines of our faith. Bibliology. Right? Here's another one. Here's another important doctrine that we, uh, that we learn. It's called Christology. That would be the study of Christ. Christ. Study of Christ. Right? And when you do the study of Christ, of course, you begin to look at Christ before he was born, before his incarnation. Right? So the Bible says before the foundations of the earth, you know, he was a lamb, lamb slain before the... So Jesus always was, always has been the second person of the Godhead. Right? And then you look at his incarnation, you know, when he became a man and why he became a man and, 
his purpose for becoming a man. And then, of course, you know, you look at his, his sacrificial work on the cross at Calvary. You look at words like vicarious. You know what that word vicarious means? Who? Substitute. Substitute. Instead of. So Jesus died vicariously. You know what that means? He died instead of you. He died instead of me, right? And so when you, when you study the doctrine of Christ, you pick up all these wonderful truths. You look at his second coming, right? We sing this song, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, but surely soon, right? He's coming again. And uh, his first, the first phase of his coming is called the, the rapture, right? And that's when he calls the church up. And we go to be with the Lord, you know, and, and after how many years does he come back to earth? Seven years, right? There's tribulation on earth. After seven years, he comes back. That's the actual second coming of Christ. Touches down on the Mount of, of Olives and proceeds to the Valley of Armageddon where there's a great battle. And guess who's with him? We are. We are. <laughs> we are. And then we enter into the millennial kingdom. And how many years is that? thousand year reign of Christ. Where's that at? It's on earth. Isn't that awesome? Christology and part of eschatology. You know what eschatology is? Who? End times. Study of end times, you know. And you look at some of those things I just discussed, you know, with the rapture and the tribulation and the second coming of Christ and all the events that happen in between, right? And so we attain some of this knowledge. And I think it's important, don't you? Here's another one, ecclesiology. What's that a study of? Who? The church. Study of the church, right? And we, we kind of we then understand how the church came into existence, right? When the church uh, was born. When was the church born? When do you believe the church was born? Who? Pentecost, right? Book of Acts, chapter number two, right? You know, and so, uh, Brother Riddell, you know this, Matt, for years and years and years, there's been great debate because a fellow named Jack Hiles used to believe the church uh, began with the confession of Peter and Jesus saying, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Right? Many believe, Brother Hiles used to preach, that's when the church started. And there was a great group of individuals that were persuaded by that. And then there was, another, uh, there was another side that said, no, it had to be on the day of Pentecost because the church couldn't start without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, right? And so guess what happened? And I don't know how many years ago it was, but somebody decided to put an end to the debate and say this. The church was conceived when Jesus said, I will build my church. It was born when the Holy Spirit of God came, right? And so, right, you have conception and then you have the actual birth. Doesn't that make sense? Jesus said, I will build it. That was futuristic. He hadn't built it yet, right? Because he needed the Holy Spirit, God, to come and empower the New Testament church. That didn't happen until Acts chapter number two. Are you with me? That's good. Well, I'll tell you what, at the end of this night, I'm going to have to charge you for all this information. This is doctrinal truth here. Huh? Right? And so, uh, Paul says, we all have knowledge, the knowledge of salvation is paramount. Isn't that right? Knowing the will of God for our lives, paramount. And then as we begin to grow and continue to grow, we begin to learn the doctrines of our faith, which again, I like to say this is paramount. We need to know what we believe. You can't just say, well, my pastor said, or my church teaches, right? You need to adopt this for yourself. Now, you don't need to have all the nuances and be able to spit it out like I just spit it out, you know, but you ought to know some things. Don't you agree? And there's more doctrine than that. There's a doctrine called pneumatology. Anybody know what doctrine pneumatology is? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say doctrine of numbers. 
Holy Spirit. Who said that? John, did you say that? There's one of my youth kids, man. The Holy Spirit. Good for you, John. Doctrine of pneumatology. It's doctrine of the Holy Spirit. How about, how about um, soteriology? Doctrine of salvation. Doctrine of salvation. How about, now this is an easy one. John, you should know this one. Angiology. What is it? Study of? Angels. Study of, so there's all kinds of doctrines that we ought to. And when you do the, the study of doctrine of angels, you know what you also need to study? You study the doctrine of demons. Demons. Paul said we all know. And so there's some things that we learn. We learn about these Christian doctrines. How about this? We learn Christian disciplines. We learn Christian disciplines. What are some Christian disciplines that we learn? What are some disciplines as, as Christians we learn? Come on, give me some. Prayer. Prayer. That's a Christian discipline, isn't it? Right? Where we're, we're taught, we come to church and we're taught to pray. We're taught how to pray, why to pray, you know, when to pray, the need to pray. Right? Read the Word. Yeah, John, I didn't get there yet. We're still on prayer. Amen. That's the same thing you used to do 25 years ago, John. That's why I used to beat you up when you're... I was... I love, I love, I love, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But I love finding out new little nuances. And I was reading something the other day uh, in a devotional book about prayer. And this and fellow, just get just a little snapshot uh, of something that he, he challenged the readers with. And he, he talked about, he talked about a three, three, three prayer. And what he said is this, you, you get three people that you know need the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior, right? You pray for them for three minutes every day at three o'clock. Three, three, three. Huh? I like that. I love little things like that. You know, it just, it's, it's a challenge to me. So you set your, um, you set your uh, phone alarm for three o'clock in the afternoon, of course, right? Unless you're an early bird. And there's three people you're praying for, you know, you pray for them for three minutes at three o'clock. Huh? Disciplines. These are disciplines. Another one, uh, John said, reading the word. Reading the Word every day, that's a Christian discipline, isn't it? Right? Learning how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible, you know, doing word studies of the Bible, memorizing Scripture. These are Christian disciplines. Here's another big one that I think many of us need to maybe get back to doing, and that is learning how to share our faith. Learning how to share our faith. You know, churches like this years ago, that's all we talked about. That was the biggest, I mean, that was the biggest challenge, right, Doc? Just sharing your faith and, 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 you know, witnessing to people and telling them about Jesus and giving out gospel tracts and inviting people to church. But the church has gone cold. I don't just mean open, but I mean the church. It's just gone cold, and we're looking for other ways to get it done, you know. And I'm okay with other ways of getting it done as long as we're getting it done, right? And that's one of the Christian disciplines, learning how to share your faith. So we learn Bible doctrines. We learn uh, Christian disciplines. How about this one? We, we, learn, we learn the methods of operation, right? The methods of operation. Uh, for example, we learn how, you know, how important it is to attend church. Don't we? Huh? I mean, you, you, you get saved and you, you start to learn the importance of going to church. And then you learn the importance of how to behave at church. We call that, we call that proper etiquette. Right? You know, I remember, I remember years ago I pastored a church. And it is almost as if it was on purpose. But as soon as someone would get up to do a vocal solo or special, you know, a few people would open up their candy. 
you know, and they had those little starlight peppermints, you know what they are, right? And with the plastic wrappings, you know, and they made sure that they opened it and then made sure they crunched the, the plastic real good while the brother or sister's singing. Never happened here at Open Bible, did it, Doc? Never happened at Open Bible. Uh, and so what I used to have to do, because I passed through the first generation church. You know what a first generation church is? It means this, everybody there is newly saved. They weren't raised up in church. And so I had to teach them how to behave when they came to church. And part of that was this. Listen, when a brother or sister is up there singing a vocal special or whatever it might be, it's not time for you to have communication. It's not time for you to open up your candy and make sure you crunch up that wrapper and stick it as far in the hole as you can get it. I remember my my first, Dr. Riddell, my first full-time ministry position, I was an assistant to the pastor. Not an assistant pastor. I had no delegated responsibility other than whatever the pastor asked me to do, when I showed up, I did it. Another name for that is gopher. Steve, I heard, I saw your lips forming the words gopher. But you know what? I knew I was a gopher for Jesus, and I would want anywhere for him. But I remember this. On Wednesdays, my responsibility was to clean the auditorium for Wednesday night. You know, I had to get it done by Wednesday night, put it that way. And so sometimes I do it on Monday or Tuesday, whenever. And in, I mean, to tell you, it was, it was like almost every single week. You know, a few people, in the, not Tim and Wendy, they didn't come to church back, but in the back of the church there, made it a point to get whatever piece of paper they were working on and just tear it in little pieces and make little piles for me to clean up, you know? And I'll never forget, man, I almost started looking forward to the piles, you know? And and, and, in the name of Jesus, I cussed them out so many times, you know? Frickety, frackety, frickety, frackety, I can't believe these people do this while the preacher's preaching, you know, right? And and it's funny, just a couple weeks ago, I was in the back here and Tyler was on his knees picking up little pieces of paper. (laughs) I thought, oh no, oh no, they're following me. Who are these people? But, you know, I counted that as a blessing. I used to clean the commodes. That was my job, clean the commodes. And I used to say this, Lord, I want these, I want these uh, uh, commodes to be the cleanest uh, commodes in any church anywhere near here. Because I was doing it unto the Lord. Are you with me? I just counted it a blessing. Get up in the morning, go to church. You know, go work for Jesus. That was a blessing, man. You know? And uh, so we learn, we learn the, what we would call the methods of operation, tithing. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody say, move on. (laughs) Tithing and giving and how important it is, you know, to pay our tithe and give our offering, you know. And it's a a means of worship and obedience and blessing. And you can't outgive God. You know that, right? And and so, and then then we learn learn the do's and the don'ts. (laughs) And you know what I would call that? I would call that the forbidden fruit, so to speak. Right? How many of us have come to church long enough and we know there's a forbidden fruit list? Things you just don't do, you know? And then, of course, there's right under that is the encouraged behavior list. Things that we would encourage you to do. So we all have knowledge, is what Paul's saying, right? And I can go on and go on and on and on. However, I want you to note this. It's equally important to place this knowledge, place this knowledge into action. Look at verse 13. Go if you would. <coughs> To verse 13, chapter 8, verse 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. 
Wow. Verse 1, he says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Verse 13, he says this, I'm going to put this knowledge into action because if I know me doing something is going to cause my brother to sin, then I'll not do it as long as I live. Hello? See how that works? That's the balance of that text. What I know needs to become an action in my life. My beliefs need to influence my behaviors. Correct? Huh? Dr. Riddell, you don't probably remember this, but, and I don't remember when it was, but it was prior to, it was when Victory Christian was still in, in, in session here. And never forget, I came over one time with my pastor, and me, you, my pastor, and another local pastor went over to Geet's Diner for breakfast. I'm not sure if you remember that or not. And I remember, I remember, I remember you saying before the other pastor got there, hey, hey, by the way, the pastor that's coming has a real, uh, real conviction against pork. And so if I, you know, let's not order bacon or sausage or, I remember you saying, don't, don't, please don't get scrapple. You know, I don't know if you remember that or not. I'll whisper in your ear who the other pastor was and you might remember. And I thought to myself, you mean to tell me I got to ruin my breakfast because of this guy? If you don't want to eat it, don't eat it, dude. But what? what? Are you with me? Huh? And at that point, I wasn't sanctified yet. And I hadn't learned, I hadn't learned this text of Scripture where the Apostle Paul speaks about knowledge and action. Now, listen to this. If you know that doing a certain thing causes another to stumble, that's knowledge. Are you with me? If you know that doing a certain thing causes another brother or sister to stumble, that's knowledge. If you cease to do that thing because you know you might cause another brother or sister to stumble, that's maturity. Do I need to say that again? Did you hear that? That's worth the price of admission. If you know that something you do causes somebody to stumble, that's knowledge. You know it. But if you don't do it because you don't want them to stumble, that's maturity. And that's, that's where the Lord would have you and I, you know, continue to grow into maturity, becoming mature, you know, Christians. You know, in the Bible, knowledge and action kind of go hand in hand. And what we know should influence what we do. Knowledge is not enough. Just knowing is not enough. Not at all. Each believer needs to strive toward maturity. So, what does maturity look like? That's the question. I'll finish up with that. What does maturity look like? We talk about all these things all the time, right? Hey, you need, you need to, you know, I talked this morning. Instead of using the word change, here's a soft word, Grow. Right? And so instead of you saying, you know, Pastor, my husband really needs to change because instead you say, my pastor really needs, my, my husband really needs to grow. Right? It's softer, it's a little bit easier to digest. Correct? And so we throw these things out all the time. So we talk about mature. What, what does maturity look like? How would you know? I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you the list. So a mature Christian reads at least 15 chapters a day from the Word of God, prays at least 45 minutes. And 30 minutes of that is for his pastor. Huh? Not only tithes their income, but gives a 
above their tithe to faith promise, to the lot of love, to the pastor's retirement fund, to the pastor's wife makeup fund. Um, why? Because we're mature. And that's what mature Christians do. Right? We know when to put on a good front, and we know when nobody's looking so we can be who we really are. Are you recording this? Because everything I'm giving you right now is not in my notes, and this is really good. I might want to go back and read it and listen to it. Did you get that? Is that our maturity list? Is it based upon what we do? Or is maturity based upon who we become and what we are? Right, John? So I jotted down just a couple of things here to think about. Uh, what does maturity look like? It looks like this, where we live our lives to honor the Lord. Are you with me? We love our lives to honor the Lord. Uh, we can ask this question, what's that look like? <laughs> you know, it's just a, a learning process. We're always, we always got to learn something. What does that look like? Pastor talks about living your life to honor the Lord. Well, how do we do that? And that's a whole nother set of, right, instructions. However, it ought to be our desire, correct? We ought to desire to live in such a way that God is honored. One of the Proverbs that stuck to me when I first learned it and memorized it, and at that point in time, it wasn't true of me, and I try to make it true today, and it's not always true of me, but where it says this, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Huh? If you've been around me in the left time, my son-in-law's been around me since he's been a young fellow, right? What grade? Sixth grade, Jay? Something like that? Eighth grade. Jason came into our lives, eighth grade, came to our Christian school, uh, been in our family now, worked for me for a lot of years. And he knows this. There's certain things that he has heard me say over and over and over and have counseled people about that, especially, especially when times get tough. I've counseled. How many preachers do you know, Jason, that I counseled when they had to leave churches and say, I always say this, take the high road. A good name is rather to be chosen. Don't let anything mar your name or your testimony. It's not worth it. Learn how, to, learn how to take the loss. Learn how to be defrauded. Why? Because that's what maturity looks like. That's what maturity looks like. Let me give you another thought. Here's another thought. What's it look like? Uh, here's how you measure maturity. The way we treat others. How do we treat others? That speaks volumes, right? We can, we can sub, you know, sub it with this question. How do you treat people you disagree with? Huh? How do you treat people? Don't, 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 don't pretend now. How do you treat people that you don't like? Oh, pastor, there's not a person in this world I don't like. Really? Just about five minutes we're having an invitation. I think maybe you ought to walk the aisle and get that thing right. Look here. I, I'm a pastor. I love God with all my heart. But there's some people I don't like. I would do anything in the world for them. I love them. But I don't like them. They're troublemakers. They cause division. And I'm not talking about people I see on the news. Some, some of them people are in our very church. Not in this church. <laughs> not in this church. But in other churches. Churches down the street and around the corner. Right? Yes, sir. Armin. Uh, how I treat people I don't like, I say a special prayer. That's good. That's good. That's biblical, isn't it? Right? Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, John, you're right. So you don't have to go out on a limb and try to hurt them, or right? You know, right? But maturity, maturity is measured by how we treat others, especially, look here, it's easy to treat people that treat you nice. 
Treat them nice and treat you nice. But how about people who don't? Right? How about people who talk about you, try to hurt you on purpose? Josh? I've, I've heard it said before, the mark of a true Christian is how they treat the staff at a restaurant. How they what? I didn't hear. How they treat the waiters at a restaurant. There you go. I like that. Mark of a true Christian is how they treat waiters at a restaurant. Yeah. Here's a, here's a sign of maturity. How much tip you leave. Even when the service stinks. I've been with people and I've heard them say this. I ain't leaving her a tip. She couldn't even come and fill up my water. Huh? You ever been with somebody like that? If you are, you leave the tip for them. Because that's just the right thing to do. Amen? Right? So, maturity. Uh, here, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a final one. Uh, here's maturity. How, how, how do you measure maturity? Your concern, how concerned we are for the lost. How concerned we are for the lost. People who need Jesus. Right? So, Paul said this in verse number one. He said, we all have knowledge. If we're not careful, knowledge can puff up. What we ought to do with that knowledge is to put it in action, verse 13. Right, verse 13. I mean, as long as the, the, the world stands, I will not eat a roast pork sandwich in front of my brother if that offends my brother in any way, shape, or form. Now, when he leaves, I'll have two. <laughs> but while I'm sitting with him, I won't eat bacon. Hello, I won't eat sausage. Right? I'm not, I don't have a conviction about it. Yeah, I like those fat little dirty things when you clean them up and cook them. They're pretty good, man. Pulled pork sandwich. And, yeah, right? Amen? Let me give you a prayer to pray, and I'm going to finish. Here's a prayer to pray. And I promise you, if you look at this at the end of my devotion, Dave, I want you to see this because this was my devotion. This is how I wrote it out. A prayer to pray. You know who that was for? It's for me. It's my devotion. So when I'm finished with my devotion, sometimes I'll say, Lord, how can I put that into prayer so it, so it can become a reality for me? Amen. Right? Because if God's speaking to me, I've got to do something about it. So if God spoke to me out of this passage, this was my devotion a couple weeks ago, I've got to practice that. So here was the prayer that I asked, that I, I, I just jotted down these, these words. Lord, help me to practice my beliefs. Help me to put into action the knowledge you've allowed me to attain. That's the prayer I prayed. Now, I haven't prayed it for a few weeks, but I prayed that for a few days. After I had that devotion, I prayed it for a few days. It just helps me to remember. And then, you know what I do with my devotions? I just go back and, and read. I just did this the other day. I went back to 2021 and started going down through my... And that's why I like putting my iPad, because I can just pull them up right now and show you, you know, the devotions I had in 2021. You know, and just tap it, and all of a sudden it pops up. Sometimes it's just a word. Sometimes it's a, a sentence, a phrase. Sometimes it's a full page. Sometimes it becomes a sermon. But it's how God spoke to me. Amen? And you know what I entitled this? Is I like to give my devotions titles. What we, what, we, what we know slash what we do. What we know, what we do. Because what we know should be revealed in what we do. Don't you agree? Amen? Any comment before we close? Anyone want to add to anything? Yes, ma'am. Hezekiah's wife is Hephzibah. No, I said Obadiah. I asked him who Obadiah's wife was. I knew who. Everybody knows who Hezekiah's wife was. She was a member of the church down the street here. What was her name? Hephzibah? Hephzibah. Hephzibah House. Right? There's, there's literally ministries that are called Hephzibah. But I asked him who Obadiah's wife was. I thought he would know. Rich knows everything. I thought he would know who that was. Anything at all? Any comments? Any questions? No? Everybody want to go back to the Riddell's house for ice cream and cake?
Miss Faith, you got enough for everybody? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather on this Sunday night. Thank you for the sweet spirit that, uh, Lord, is in this room this evening. Thank you that we have your Bible, the Word of God, and that we can study it and learn it. So much to discover. Lord, what we talked about tonight, we can talk about for the next month and not exhaust it. And so thank you. Thank you for blessing us with truth and the ability to understand it, comprehend it, and live it. I pray you dismiss us tonight with your blessing. Hedge uh, all the things going on on campus, financial peace and youth ministry and children's ministry and all the things that are happening right now. As they let out, as they dismiss, might there be safety in the parking lot. Bring us back, I pray, on Wednesday night for midweek service. Give us a good week. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. You are dismissed. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.